Hey listeners, welcome back. My name is Bidi Takar and this is our series of ongoing podcasts that are focused on program evaluation. So the focus of today's podcast is really going to be on surveying the environment. In other words, conducting a situation analysis. What is the particular situation that we are looking into? And when you're considering things like doing a situation analysis for the purpose of program planning, uh, you want to have a better understanding of what it is that the problem is that you're trying to address. For example, do you need to obtain data about the problem? How useful is it to support the case development of that particular problem and initiative? And what kind of data or information do you have to serve as the baseline for the program evaluation? And this can include things like measuring the incidence of a disease, the prevalence, the extent to which the problem is really a problem in the society, and how is the problem distributed amongst the population. You also might want to consider other risk and protective factors associated with the problem. For example, are there individual factors, physical factors, and social and environmental factors? What is the environment or community in which you're going to implement your program and program evaluation? Is it at the provincial level, the local level, the municipal level, the national level? And then when you consider that particular environment, what are the needs of that community, the aspirations, what are the goals that they're hoping for? Um, And then is there a readiness in the community to have a program evaluation? What kind of resources are available in the community to implement the program evaluation? And when we're talking about resources, we're referring to human resources, economic and material resources uh, that are available in the community through either community-based organizations or networks. Now, when we consider the physical environment and the community, this includes physical aspects such as infrastructure, um, patterns in the housing industry, demographics, history, the Uh, formal and informal community leaders, existing groups, um, economics and the actual industry and what kind of industries exist there, the government and politics of a community, how is the government and politics structured, what power do politicians really have and uh, really wield in that local community, and then in terms of social structure, how many aspects of social structure can you consider in your program evaluation? And this includes considering things like the relationships between politics, economics, as well as questions of how people in the community relate to one another. Um, this could be questions of how is it that people from different audiences, whether that's clinical audiences, um, political circles, or uh, health services research circles, how is it that they tend to address the problem? Or are they not addressing the problem at all? Who socializes and who does business with whom, etc.? That's a very important thing to consider in the social structures. Um, There's also ongoing methods of data collection, and one of the key methods that we'll talk about is a needs assessment. So needs assessment is having an identification of what is is it that we need to do in that particular program evaluation. An excellent paper by Davidson et al. in 2005 defined a need as something without which unsatisfactory functioning occurs. A want is a conscious desire without which dissatisfaction, but not necessarily unsatisfactory functioning occurs. So when we're considering a needs assessment, this is highly dependent on the context of the program evaluation. For example, could it be that the program evaluation is necessary to run the day-to-day business of that particular organization? Um, And so what is it that we consider in terms of the basic 
foundational conditions for that program evaluation. There's two different types of needs. A conscious need is known to the person. They know that they need that program and that program evaluation in order for things to function. And then there's an unconscious need, which is not known to the person, though it could be known to others. Um, When we say that something has met the need, that means that a a need is currently met. For example, a simple example of this is a farmer who has a good irrigation system will be able to provide water to all their crops, right? That's just a simple, basic, logical fact. Another important need to identify is that you don't want to plan a program that takes away from a currently met need. For example, there, <clears throat> if the program is meant to address an already existing need, then you want to develop it in a way that it is in alignment with other programs or that it contributes to a new need or an unmet need because there's no point in recreating the wheel, right? Like, for example, if you have a program that is already meeting an identified need, then uh, and then you might want to then realign and do a needs assessment to see are there new needs. If there are new needs uh, in terms of new programs and new wants by the organization, uh, then you can define and design program evaluations in alignment with those. There's also this idea of a performance need. So the idea here is that there needs to be metrics, performance metrics, indicators, Uh, that can measure the state of existence or the level of performance within a program. And so people really want to know, like, how is the program going? You know, what kind of outputs is it having? Is it having a positive impact? Um, And so this is uh, something that we'll get into in detail in the up and coming podcast. But just hang on to this idea of a performance need. Then there's also instrumental need. Instrumental need refers to the products, tools, and interventions that are required to address a performance need. And there's two phases of a needs assessment. So a needs assessment is conducted by gathering the hard evidence through existing literature. So either conducting a scoping, systematic type of a review, and really understanding uh, what are the performance needs of that particular organization. Um, And then the second phase of the needs assessment is having that conversation with people, the stakeholders in particular. So within the conversation with stakeholders, you should have a clear picture of the nature and extent of the needs and their relevance within the target communities. So, for example, people often jump to a conclusion about the instrumental solutions that they can provide. But perhaps it's better to sometimes take a step back and look at the broader picture. For example, what kinds of goals is your program evaluation intended to answer? So once you have an idea of the goals, you then would then be able to design the program and the output and program evaluation in a way to meet those goals. Um, And the other idea, a clear example that I can provide is say that staff performance is a problem and that you need a training program in order to either motivate the staff, encourage them, or inspire them to enhance their performance. Well, the first thing that you would want to do as a part of this program is to figure out why is there a performance problem in the staff? Is it that there is a lack of skills and knowledge? Do they not have like the necessary tools that they need to be able to do their work? Uh, Because these are all resolvable issues. And then And then if there is that, could it be a lack of motivation? Is it a lack of motivation or is it a lack of resources? So you really want to have that clear picture of 
why the problem is, diagnose the problem so that you can come up with the best solution and the best uh, intervention to be able to solve that problem. You can also draw, draw out logic models to help you understand the nature of the problem. And the intention behind logic models is a very linear approach to thinking, which could be suitable to several types of programs, but not all programs. Logic models are based on this inherent structure of inputs into a program, that being economic, human resources, etc., cetera, um, outcomes and outputs of a program as well. And so you can draw it out for your particular program. There's several templates available online for logic models and program evaluations. And at the foundation of the logic model, you also have to identify the assumptions that are being made when people jump to solutions. For example, are you assuming that there are people in the organization dedicated to doing a program evaluation? Or is that in fact something that the organization has on board, that they have an entire team dedicated to program evaluation and as well education and uh, scaling and spreading the success of the program. So that is something that you'll have to consider for your particular organization. One of the key insights that I read about in this literature of program evaluation, uh, it's an entire science and discipline on its own, is two key concepts. I'll begin with one called a pestle analysis, and the second idea is a SWOT analysis. And you want to be able to draw these out for your particular program well in advance. PESTEL is an acronym. It stands for Political, Economic, Social, Technological, Environmental, and Legal Factors. These are all factors that we used to think about the external environment in the context of your organization. So for example, in each of these categories, think about the things that may be related to the problem. For example, are any of these factors contributing to or would be protective against the problem? Potential, could they provide potential solutions? For example, can you leverage any of these things to help you solve the problem? And will any of these things be a barrier in implementing your program? So political factors include things like the current government, municipal, provincial, federal, and their policies, governments, and regulations. For example, say you're trying to build a house. <laughs> you have to follow the zoning bylaws because these essentially, um, they are all local laws that we have to abide by in order to establish different types of housing. So th that's an example of a political factor. An economic factor includes things like socioeconomic status of the community, whether that's the distribution of wealth in the community, the employment rate, interest rates, GDP, etc. Social factors are things like demographic, education level, cultural, community cohesiveness, and safety. Technological trends, now we're seeing a shift towards digital health and um, also this idea of mobile phones as a new way to communicate with clients. Uh, but this can also have different effects on the population negatively, right? Like people could spend way too much time on computers and video games instead of being physically active. So what are the technological trends that are at play? Um, environmental factors include things such as health of a population, for example, pollution, climate change, weather patterns, legal factors come into play as well. These are the regulations of the health care practitioner's scope, as well as the kind of practice that they have, who they tend to employ in their practice, and what kinds of particular services they provide. So these categories don't just exist in isolation of one another. They are interrelated. Politics affects the economy, social and economic factors 
also tend to determine who has access to technological advances and then can use those um, technological advances to have a positive impact. Uh, the second type of analysis that is vital to a program evaluation is a SWOT analysis. It originates from the field of business. It's more of a business concept. Uh, and so you really want to think of the strengths, which is internal and helpful to an organization, the weaknesses, which could be harmful to an organization, but also a way to risk mitigate strategies. What are opportunities that are external to the organization? But if we engaged in those opportunities, could be a real value add for that particular organization. And then what are the threats? So mapping where in the community assets can help you to see which programs are well served and which are not. They also have like sophisticated mapping software in Tableau that I've used on many occasions and in my teaching as well to be able to help you map and look things in a look at uh, concepts, ideas, and data in a specific way um, to be able to look at trends in the data. A specific example is Jon Snow's famous uh, cholera map. So he, what he did was he mapped the disease of cholera and he found that there were certain patterns in specific areas. Um, and he provide, then his hypothesis was that if those particular areas receive treatment, then there could be the resolution of cholera overall. So it's a famous classical public health example of geospatial mapping and a way to resolve that. Um, so stakeholder analysis, who are stakeholders? Stakeholders are people that have a vested interest in the program. These can be individuals, groups, or organizations. Examples include clients, potential clients, those who manage or run the program, project sponsors, those who fund the program, partner organizations, and other organizations that your organization has partnered with in order for the program to work. And then also those who have a particular interest in the program, but not a direct role in that program. For example, uh, if it's an educational program, could future employers have an interest in what the program does? And even they, though they don't want to participate in the program because they would hire people who are graduates from the program, perhaps um, they would have an interest in the program as a particular stakeholder. So note the term stakeholders contentious when you're working with indigenous populations. Um, when you're working with Aboriginal populations, the right term and language to use would be rights holder, as outlined by our Canadian government website and Aboriginal engagement processes. So um, when we are designing programs or considering program evaluations with Aboriginal populations, use the word rights holder. Davidson presents a way to help you think about the various stakeholders. So when he, when Davidson maps out his stakeholders, he has this idea of upstream and downstream stakeholders. Upstream stakeholders are the people that are going to be the direct recipients of that program. So this includes like the customers, manufacturers, implementers. The downstream stakeholders are immediate recipients. So these are other downstream impactees as well. And when you conduct a stakeholder analysis, you want to know to what extent are you going to be engaging the stakeholders? Are you simply going to be keeping them satisfied? That's a high level of influence. Or are they actively going to be engaged? That's also a high level of influence. Um, a lower level of influence is just keeping people informed or monitoring them, right? Like monitoring their uptake of the program. Um, 
ideally when you're building a program evaluation, you want to co-design it with your stakeholders and actively engage them in the process, design and implementation of your program evaluation, because that just leads to like <laughs> better outcomes and outputs in the long run. So this tool is useful in helping to sort out the appropriate levels of engagement for various stakeholders. And after you do your stakeholder analysis and um, you can rate each of the levels of the stakeholders by the interest in the design of the program, the influence on the design of the program, and then also the plot on the grid as to see, so you can see what category that they particularly fall into when you're considering the stakeholder analysis grid. Great. So then the other final concept here is a stakeholder analysis table. This is a four by four table that you can use as an alternative tool or an additional tool to help you lay out and just come up with an inventory of all of the different stakeholders and your analysis of them. So in this table, you want to outline why it's important to engage that stakeholder or that rights holder in planning the evaluation. Um, some reasons why it might be important would be because they provide a different perspective of the program. For example, patients provide a very different perspective than healthcare providers or CEOs of hospitals or researchers. And you, you don't want to overlook any particular perspective. Each perspective is important and equally important at every level. Um, so you want to have an idea of all of the different perspectives. And so you also want to be able to enhance the credibility of the program and the evaluation. So if you have input from multiple stakeholders, they feel that they have an ownership of that particular program. And then people are more likely to act on the results of the evaluation if they were involved in the planning process and the creation of the program evaluation. It's also valuable to engage stakeholders uh, from the start of the process rather than midway and have ongoing <laughs> like monthly or bi-monthly meetings with them or quarterly meetings. And I'll just give you a simple example. Imagine if you were building a house, right, like from scratch, and you didn't know or you didn't ask people who are going to live in that house how they wanted that house or what they wanted in their house. And then you just built it for them. And, and then they walk into the house and they're like, okay, this is not what I wanted. <laughs> like, I wanted something different, right? So then that that is why... That is what it looks like to not engage the stakeholder early on in the planning process. So that's why it's very important to engage them from the beginning throughout the process and then discuss ongoing program evaluation concepts with them. It's also this idea of setting direction. You want to set your program goals together with your stakeholders and you want to have that discussion up front, those early conversations about what are the intended benefits of the program, who receives these intended benefits, and when will these intended benefits occur? So if you can answer those three questions in terms of setting direction for the program earlier on, what the key stakeholders that you have in mind, that will help you get to that future desired state of, you know, not necessarily that everybody will desire the same things in terms of the goals, but at least there'll be consensus amongst your team in terms of program planning, program evaluation and outputs, and that you have a systematic plan in place to move you in the direction that you want um, towards that future state of program evaluation. So thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, it's been my pleasure to go through these concepts with you today. And uh, please stay tuned for our next session where we'll be talking about different insights into program evaluation. If you could do me a quick favor and just uh, click the like button for this podcast or share it with your 
colleagues, your friends, and others that you know or who are interested in program evaluation, I would be forever grateful. Thank you. Have a fantastic week.